When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's Wednesday, the 8th of February. Shower or two around for Sydney today, a top of 27 across the city and the west. All right, you ready, folks? Because he's back. The man who makes sense of it all in the world of sport. The man who never refers to himself in the third person. The man who only records when it's on the record. It is time for the first time in 2023 to hit that jingle, Alex, that simply says... He's the chief sports writer at the Sydney Morning Herald. It's Wednesdays with Andrew Webster. It's that straightforward. Webby, welcome back. Bang, bang. Hey? Great to be back. Have you ever referred to yourself in the third person? Absolutely not. Mm, you've got a, you've you've got the chance oh, to do it this season because ma- there's an Andrew Webster in the game now at the highest level in coaching. I know. So you could drop it. Do you know when he was interim coach at the West Tigers, I actually did a pretend uh, Q&A between me and Andrew Webster. Did you? <laughs> yeah. So effectively you have. And, and do you think, uh, let's just say it confused a lot of readers. Mm, I bet it did. So essentially you have referred yourself to yourself in the third person. In, in print. Yes, in print. No, but I'm very conscious about referring to myself in the third person because yeah. a lot of people do it. I see Latrell Mitchell even did it today. Correct. Um, so I'm no longer on Mondays. No. I've been shown, so I was on Wednesdays. Yes. I got moved to Mondays. Yes. And now I've been... Brushed to no. Wednesdays again. No, no, no. You're back at your spiritual home. No, I've been brushed because who, who you got on Mondays? That John's bloke, Matty yeah. Johns. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> What's he ever done? What's he, done? What's he know? <laughs> it's the roundup with Matt and Matty on a Monday morning. Matt and Matty. Who? Which? Which Matt comes first? That's what you got to guess. Where well, one Matt is never well, enough. I've, well, a prima donna like yourself would insist it was you, wouldn't it? <laughs> well, I we were we were freestyling this on air the other day, and I said, you know, oh, right. it's Matt and Matt, or is it the two Matts? Eminem. Is it Eminem? Which somebody said you're not the first. Oh, sorry. And then I said, you know, Whitey and Johns, and Johns of course goes or oh, Johns and White. I said, well, you know, just take your place there, buddy. So the way that it panned out, Webby, is that Wednesday is your spiritual home on SEN. <laughs> <You keep saying. laughs> Wednesday is not the SCG. Well, hang on. <laughs> It is, is now. It is now. So, too. so yes, we we played around a little bit last year with you on different spots, but this is this is your <laughs> you home. Played around with me in different spots. <laughs> this is not your the first baby <laughs> home. How's your off season been? Have you had one? I had seven weeks off. It's a good stint. I didn't yeah. realise I had that much holiday pay, a holiday owing. So I took seven weeks and I slaved away on this Wayne Bennett book that I've been working on for the last year and a half. Yeah, so. and where's it at? Uh, it's allegedly going to be written in the next couple of months. So, mm. yeah, it's it's getting there, but it's a fascinating project. Yeah, it, it, and he's been fascinating to work with uh, through it. It's just, it's the myth of a the the myth and the magic of a figure like Wayne, who's been around for so long, and there's like so many different narratives that he's spun and others have spun around him, and I'm yeah. just trying to get to the bottom of it, but. It's been quite amazing just how open he has been and just how open others have been about him and given an insight into uh, into the bloke that you that you wouldn't have seen before. Like he's written three books in the past, but mm. they're all in his words. But I think this is a really true indication of, of, of who he is and how he manipulates. And the, the, the takeaway out of the whole thing, Matty, for me, 
is that Wayne Bennett, unlike say a Warren Ryan or a Brian Smith or even a Craig Bellamy or a modern or a Bob Fulton, even they, he his way of coaching is through, for want of a better term, man management. And when you get your players so close to you, like they're almost members of your family, that's a pretty powerful way to win football matches. Mm. The problem is the reality of professional sport is that you're going to have to get let them go. They either get too old, they lose their skills, the salary cap squeezes them out. And as a consequence of that, the player gets very disgruntled because they feel like they've been conned in many respects. Yeah. Well, so, families fall out, don't exactly, they? Exactly, exactly. So it's been a really interesting process through to, to, learn, to learn all that sort of stuff. Do you have any preconceived notion of what you want the book to be? And does it... If if you do, do you do you spear off into different directions and just go there? It does a little bit. It depends on who agrees to talk to you. Like I've spoken yeah. to members of his family who have been really open and honest. Um, but I, I like to I like to write these things chronologically. I think you confuse a reader if you don't. Um, but uh, there are de- definite themes that are coming up throughout the the process. Yeah. And I've talked to Wayne for the last year and a half, and believe me, I don't think the bloke can wait to start coaching in the NRL again. Right. I think that year last year really affected him. How old's Wayne now? 73. He turned 73 on the 1st of January. Do you reckon you could have done this book and spoken to Wayne at length five years ago about the issues that obviously you're covering? Well, with I was, I'm, the book isn't authorised. Look, I, I was doing the book whether Wayne, Wayne wanted to talk or not. Um, but he agreed to, to talk from the very – he was the first person I told about it because I didn't want him to hear from – other people, but he's been very, very accommodating. And I th- he said to me, he's enjoyed the process. So it's been, it's been fun. Mm. We've had lots of long fireside chats over the phone at 6am on a Sunday morning. He likes mm. to, he's an early riser. So I'm, uh, yeah, as I am. So unless I'm getting home at 6am, <laughs> which that hasn't happened for <laughs> Take many. Take a call on the way that in. That hasn't happened for many, many no. days. Uh, I mean, years. There's a couple of things that we need to get to the bottom of. One, the type of fabric softener that you use and is it working? <laughs> and I'll explain to my listeners that. And two, why aren't you heading to Super Bowl 57? Just quickly on the second part. Because I was told by the NFL I had accreditation to the Super Bowl. Yes. Unfortunately, after I got approval to go to the Super Bowl from my superiors, the accreditation was only for the week, not the game. Oh. So that would have been fun. Yeah. Watching it at a pub, at a bar in uh, in uh, Phoenix. I would have taken it. Well, we can't really go and interview Jordan Malata after. Still would have taken it. Well, Mate, I... You know what? I would have taken it. I don't think my joint – I don't think Fairfax <laughs> – Sorry, nine newspapers would have been happy for me to go over there and watch it in a bar. Well, I could probably do the same thing here. 2006. Actually, I will do the same thing here. <laughs> 2006 Soccer World Cup. I covered the entire thing for Channel 7 without the accreditation to go and watch any of the games. Everything was done outside. In fact, one of the match reports I did in watching in Munich, I was watching the local TV station, so no English commentary on it. Mm. I was sitting in a room with a computer going through BBC's ball-by-ball coverage or play-by-play coverage, I should say, and trying to do a match report for the Sydney News, which I could have done back here. Mm. But it was great fun. Now, the talking points on the line with Webby today, the standoff between the game and the players gets ugly with allegations that a league executive instructed another league executive to secretly record a meeting between the players and CEO Andrew Abdo. So what happened here and what happens next? Is a player strike still a possibility? Now, Sean Lane has added fuel to that fire by saying, I guess if it does get to that point, 
we will be willing to do whatever's necessary. That's the first time I've heard that from a player in this situation. We'll cover the fallout from the Latrell Mitchell-Jack White incident. The status of the All-Stars match, has it lost its shine? The Mitchell-Moses guessing game continues. Eels, Tigers, maybe still Bulldogs, or is there a left field option that we haven't thought about? Plus, Jordan Mylata's story with the Eagles and, of course, Super Bowl 57. You want to buy into any of those do so right now. 0457 736 736 is the text line or 1300 01 1170 is the open line. So, Webby, let's start at the top there with these allegations of a secret recording. Can you tell us the first part, what we know, what happened, and then let's talk about what may happen next? Drama. Big? Big drama with a capital D. So uh, it was broken actually by uh, the Herald yesterday or actually my age colleague, John Pirrick, which makes it a curious mm, out of uh, event in itself, itself that it, the story was leaked to a Melbourne reporter who broke the story late after late late yesterday afternoon that uh, that uh, NRL executive an NRL executive had uh, recorded uh, the very confidential meeting between Andrew Abdo and players last Friday. Now it's been suggested uh, to me, and I've confirmed this from the NRL that uh, another NRL executive in- instructed that executive to to tape the conversation. Andrew Abdo, who I spoke to last night, was distraught about the whole situation and insisted both to me and he said it also earlier to the ARL commission that he had no knowledge of this whatsoever. Um, apart from the fact that it's illegal to record people without their knowledge, it also just erodes the tiny little bit of good faith that existed between the RLPA or the players and the NRL. Mm. And I think that's the main thing out of this CBA negotiation, which is basically just going very, moving along at glacial pace. There's no, what's going to be left of the relationship between the NRL and its most important assets, which is the players. And that's, they felt very much duped by the fact that the NRL announced the salary cap increase on the 23rd of December without telling them, um, ahead of the CBA even being done. But this is this is next level sort of um, uh, uh, secrecy to be mm. able to be sitting there and recording um, th- their recording what was said in a, in a private meeting. Why you would record that meeting, I don't know. The suspicion is that it's too. Um, you know, so if anything gets leaked out of it, there's there's proof of what was actually said. But again, you can't just be recording, making secret recordings in 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 meetings between the NRL CEO and the players, as it was. Um, it, if the if the NRL had any leverage in this discussion uh, over what happened with Latrell Mitchell and Jack Whiten, you know, the, the players want to be genuine partners in the game, and then yep. that happens, and they they've. They, uh, they, we've got three three days of headlines because of what's happened in Canberra. It was all eroded after this story leaked out. The NRL are filthy that think that think it was underhanded. This is this is shows you this shows you where the relationship is between the two parties. The NRL think it's underhanded that the NRL uh, that the RLPA has leaked this story. I can't and I couldn't fathom that. Yes, I'm going. Yeah, but hang on, you guys recorded it secretly. Mm. You're at fault, and uh, it's a bit hard to take the the moral high ground after you after one of your executives has has uh, privately recorded what was said in the meeting. And so according I to be the RL, about it now. According to the RLPA chair, not only admitted to the recording, 
after being pressed. Twice. But, <laughs> at, at, but acknowledged that it was inappropriate to do so and then further acknowledged that it came, the directive allegedly came from another NRL executive. So I agree with you. This is a much bigger story probably than anything that's come out of the CBA negotiations because it goes back to exactly what you're saying. That little bit of trust that needs to be on the table for two parties to sit together, you can butt heads all you like and you can argue all you like, but if there's no trust at the table, you're starting from so far back, it's it's almost irreparable damage. So, okay, that's the, that's the scenario at the moment. Peter Volandis has promised an investigation. If this happened the way that we're being told that it happened, I would say there are two people at the NRL who are very, very close, if not are going to lose their job probably in the next day or so. 100%. What else happens here? What, what's the next step beyond that? Well, they're meeting now. They're meeting today. We're meeting as, as we speak. But the word I'm getting is that they're so far, they're, they're getting closer in terms of the uh, the NRLW, but in terms of the men, it is a long way off. I think it's been such a draw. I think both parties are to blame for going this long. I think uh, you have the NRL who, as I said, have eroded a lot of faith with the players, who think that because they've thrown a huge amount of money at the players that they're just going to agree to a collective bargaining agreement. That said, I think the RLPA have been very obstinate. I think their chief executive, Clint Newton, has approached this as if the players are Cessnock coal miners and they're not. They're, they're professional played footballers with an average wage of over 300000 a year and a proposed minimum wage of 120000 a year. Like, I mean, I, I remember talking to Clint a couple of weeks ago and, he, and we were talking about the salary cap increase. So it's 22% salary cap increase. He said, well, you know that, that, all that a lot of that money will go to yep. the top end. Big deal. It's professional football. It's not an office. You know what I mean? Like, yep. that's just the reality of it. It's not for everybody. It's a bit hard to talk about an egalitarian uh, a setup in, in a football club and a salary cap. That's not how it works. Mm. And that's how real life works. So I, I think I think Clint's been very noble in trying to protect those younger play those those players at the bottom end. But at the end of the day, they're still paid pretty well, and particularly under this new cap. And it's a very hard argument to put out there in public. And just on the what happened with the secret recording or what may have happened versus the Latrell. And I spoke about this yesterday, Webby. I said, you know what. The, the Latrell Jack White issue, and we'll talk about this in just a sec, is not the biggest thing by far. No. Nowhere near it. Your no. fabric softener is much, much bigger an issue. It is. But when you're sitting down at the table and you're trying to look at anything you can use, the NRL could well have said today or yesterday, seriously, boys, seriously, guys, this is what you're bringing to the table. Well, now the players can sit down and say, seriously, NRL, this is what you're bringing to the That's table. That's exactly what I mean. Either let's call the whole thing off or let's park both of those issues and get the trust back on the table. So the strike possibility. Now, I've had plenty to say about this, and one of the things that I've had to say is that I don't like the idea of a strike. No one does. But that's the one thing that the players have in their back pocket, and they've not threatened it, they've not used it, they've not come out and said that we're prepared to do whatever it takes because we are backing ourselves in this scenario, we're standing up for what we believe in. Sean Lane has come out and said, and he is a delegate, strike probably the last thing, but unfortunately you've seen historically that sometimes these things need to occur and then said, if it gets to that point, we'll be willing to do whatever's necessary. In fairness, Christian Welsh did flag this a couple of weeks ago as well. Um, <clears throat> but that's, uh, and I think another couple of players have as well, but, but not to, as strong as Sean Lane yep. did yesterday. 
I was talking to a player a couple of weeks ago, a young player. I said, you're going to go on joking. I said, you're going to go on strike? He said, yeah, we'll go on strike if I have to. And I said, you understand you don't get paid? He went, what do you mean? I said, you go on strike, mate. You don't get paid for the period that you're not working. And hey, goes, if anyone knows strikes, it's paper journos. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and we pick it very, very passionately. Yes. Usually at a pub. Around yeah. opening hours. <laughs> <laughs> but it's um, a really good point. But exa- I, I wonder how many of the uh, of the eight hundred players that the um, the CBA apparently covers, how many of them actually know you won't get paid, and how long are they prepared to wait out? The, Peter Valandis, is the cliche around him is he prefers a fight over a feed, and I don't think he'll back down. The, the conversations I've had with Valandis on it, he doesn't seem that. Um, <clears throat> that enamoured with the idea of, of conceding any more than they already have, mm. particularly with how much money they've given them. I've heard this so many times. I reckon this is the fifth CBA I've gone through in 27 years of covering the game. <clears throat> and uh, you, this strike always gets floated. I think yeah. this is the closest it's ever been to ever happening. But whether they – I mean, <laughs> it's not that far – the season's not that far away. 22 days? Exactly. What, what are so, we up to, 22 days? I, since... And I've got, I have no confidence in it getting – resolved in three weeks if if the way things are at the moment and given what's happened in the last 24 hours has happened but the 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 players have put this on the table you know they flag this idea and and according to clint newton he's not the one driving the idea of a strike he's like the players are the ones that are that are driving the idea of of not playing football we stand united yeah real quick one then if there's no cba within 22 days does the season go ahead yeah Unless they go on strike, the, yeah. la- the last one wasn't signed. It was just it was just an MOU. So, um, yeah, I, 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 look, I would be surprised if there wasn't some sort of compromise before the start of the season because we all need each other in this game, Matthew. Webby's back, folks. Oh four five seven seven three six seven three six, or give us a call one three hundred oh one eleven seventy. Uh, the Pearl on the text line says Wednesdays with Webby may roll off the tongue, but I still like Mondays with Mandrew. Remember that <laughs> <laughs> when we found that out. Last season. No, 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 you're back. You're back on a Wednesday and we love it there. Now, your story yesterday, your uh, article yesterday in the Sydney Morning Herald, which covered, I think, very, very well the situation between um, Latrell Mitchell and Jack Whiten, did raise a question of massive importance because you've said, like many people, I'm quoting Andrew Webster, like many people, I couldn't care less if Mitchell and Whiten want to play wrestle on the streets of Canberra. I have bigger issues to worry about, like whether I'm getting bang for my buck out of the fabric softener I'm currently using. Okay. We've got three minutes before the news. Can we break this down? Number one, what type of fabric softener are you currently using? I'm not. Oh. <laughs> okay. That eliminates number two I and number even, three. I wouldn't even know where to put it in the machine. <laughs> I get one of those little pods, throw them in, bang. Yeah. Do you get the pods? Yeah, but I uh, will. Do you wash? Pods. Yes, I wash. What oh, do you mean oh. do I wash? Have a sniff around, mate. <laughs> Smells like roses. Uh, okay, well, that puts an end to that conversation. So we had three minutes that lasted funny. 15 seconds. No, I well, like Why don't we talk about Jack and Latrell? Well, let me tell you about this because then you go on and you say, but the headlines they've generated in the last couple of days damaged the NRL's reputation. It costs dollars. This episode couldn't have come at a worse time because of the agreement. Players moan about being genuine partners in the game when in reality they all want uh, want all care but no responsibility. Exactly. I'm so sick of this line from players saying they want to be genuine partners in the game. No, they don't. They just want to get paid a stack of money and get paid. And I can't believe Latrell's comments yesterday. 
in uh, in Rotorua before the All Stars game, saying how he thinks. Um, you know, he asked, "Would this story? Would this have been a bigger story if it was anyone else but Latrell Mitchell and Jack White?" And to me, that just shows you the naivety of some footballers, and particularly Latrell. Mate, when you're on a million bucks a year and you're a high-profile footballer, I don't, I, it, you have a higher um, uh, uh, there's, there's more scrutiny than what there is going to be than the slob on the street. Mm. And if you haven't got that by now at the age of 25, I have to ask, who the hell is advising you? I thought Jack Whiten was very contrite about the whole thing because he's brought embarrassment to um, to his club. And as I said, I don't care. If they're playing wrestling around in the yeah, in the, it's not, in the it's street not the and they're full of, full of grog, whatever. But if you get charged by police for resisting arrest and a fray, mate, that's a story. Mm. That can't be ignored. And maybe you have a little bit of contrition for the fact that you were um, got a special clearance from the All-Stars camp to go to Jack's 21st. Uh, sorry, 30th. 30th. That you... Um, that you've got an injury, um, and then think of all the people that have had to try and sort this out in the in the days that followed uh, the, the the arrest. It's not only a story because what people say, and you know this better than anyone, is that well, it's only a story because the media blew it up. No, it's a story because it's an issue. It's, it's, a, a, it's, a, it's a story a legal because you got issue. by the cops. It's an issue and it's a headache <laughs> for the game. Believe me, but they all think that the, the journos love writing about this stuff. I'll give you a tip: they don't. I couldn't care less about those two blokes getting charged. Most journos don't want to write about those blokes getting charged because it's an absolute pain in the butt. You do care so about So you know what? Softener. I'll give you a bit of advice for free. If you can't handle your grog, don't drink it. Full stop. Time for the news. Thank you very much, Vanessa Stu from Cronulla says Webby's fabric softener is definitely working because he is very cuddly. He's a cuddly man. Oh, I am. I can be. Uh, Pedro says that's a great analogy, mate. The Cessnock coal miners... Um, and the way that you've said that is a good analogy. They're, they're not in that department. They are highly paid professional rugby league players. Now, the future of the All-Stars, Webby. Let's take away the Latrell Mitchell, Jack Whiten incident because th- there's got to be some questions around this. I spoke to Tony Kemp yesterday who's called it nothing better than a reserve-grade match with all the pullouts. He's cynical of the pullouts as well, whether you need to freshen up or you got bitten by one of your four dogs in Nelson <laughs> As for Solomona's <laughs> case, but the fact of the matter is you'd rather have it, wouldn't you? Is it more of a scheduling issue than anything else? We've just had a World it, Cup. It, well, this is the thing. So midway through last year, certain clubs pointed out to the NRL, oh, you're scheduling an, an All-Stars match for early February. They said, oh, yeah, yeah, what, what's the problem? They said, well, usually they don't have it the year after a World Cup because players finish late and under the... Current collective bargaining agreement, whatever that may be, whether it's signed or not, they're, they're, they've got to have six weeks b- before they of training before they come back and, and play. So just, they've ignored that, the NRL, and as a consequence, they've had all these reasons for uh, players not participating in the match on Saturday. I thought when Josh Adokar pulled out, to me, that was a, a pretty damning sign because because Fox, as we know, is a very proud Indigenous man um, and he, he loves that match in particular. It would have broken his heart not to play in it, for sure. Did you have any thoughts that he was pulling out in terms of player action? Because as in it, CBA no, style? No, no, no. It was no, just no, got no, a, I, think I, I can't go I the think, season. I think under the... Under the under the uh, the current agreement, he he had or Canterbury had avenue to stop him from playing. Right. <clears throat> so yeah. I'm not entirely sure whether Fox wanted to play, but was told not to by his club. Either way, he's not playing, and I think 
if you look at the teams, Tony Kemp's right. They are basically glorified mm. reserve grade teams. Like imagine if, uh, uh, imagine if the NRL did pull uh, Whiten and Latrell out of it. Oh, then she falls it, off a cliff. It falls off a cliff exactly. Yeah. I I'm a real big believer in the All Stars concept and was in the early years of it. Um, you know, I was always a big supporter of Preston and everything that he, Preston Campbell and what he wanted to do. And I remember the first game on the Gold Coast and the NRL were very proactive in um, how much access the media got. It was basically any journal who went up there got whoever they want. And I was lucky enough to shadow the NRL All-Stars team, which was captained by Cameron Smith. Um, but I, I got great access to the room before the game, then on the bench at half time, And then I watched the second half sitting next to Bennett. Wayne Bennett was the coach yeah. of, the, of the NRL team in his coach's box. And just to see... There's so much love around the game, you know. Yeah. The game, it's the game's very ruthless, very cynical. The grind of the NRL season, it gets pretty, it can get pretty, uh, pretty down and dirty. But there's a lot of positives to come out of that week, mm. and I just think the NRL and the clubs and the coaches need to support it more and foster it more um, than what they're currently doing because there's been a slow erosion of a slow of decline. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And and I when I spoke to Kempe yesterday because I've I've spoken to a few of the players and those involved in it and what you read and see is that this is a culturally important match to those cultures and the cultural importance of it is in some ways now starting to overshadow the match itself. So what's the importance of the actual game of football in the middle of it all? is probably the big question that they've got to answer. And on the scheduling thing about that, somebody asked me yesterday on the text, Webby, uh, you know, do you get excited about the All-Stars match, Matty, as you as you did when it first came out? Back to your point. And once I started thinking about it, I thought, look, I love the All-Stars concept and I understand those that see the importance of the cultural side of it. But it also gets a little bit lost. We've got a pre-season comp starting tomorrow. Yeah. We, we, and in the middle of that, we've got a World Club Challenge. And in the middle of that, we've got points up for grabs and a hundred grand. So where does this sit? This thing. So in my in my scheduling and, head, and then and then a twenty six round season, right? In my and sh- four weeks of finals, <laughs> and then some more test. Stop matches. it! You give me an ice cream and headache. Some origin. In my scheduling head, I go, <laughs> okay. If if the All Stars match is of the importance that it is, or you want to make it the importance, then make it the start of the season. Guess what, folks? Footy's back, and this is what we start with. Then we do some sort of preseason. I'm not a scheduler, so I don't know where that fits. So could you fit it? Just take away all the other issues around it, but let's have a look at where you'd fit it date-wise for its um, to make it more important. Would you fit it before as a standout alone before a preseason, or would you now put it into one of the three buy rounds that we've got? No, no, I don't know. Can't really work out what I'm doing today, let alone in the next what the NRL should do in the next year. Um, I, I liked it where it is. I like it around this time of year, but I just think they need to be. Uh, I, I'm not that big on the. I have to say though, I'm looking forward to the preseason games this weekend. There's some crackers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and there's some cracking lineups. And, yeah, too. some crack in the and there's some. They're not at full full strength, but there's some of them are pretty close. Um, I don't know. Maybe yeah. play it a week earlier. That, maybe played, they maybe played. They should have played it last weekend. That's what I'm thinking. I but mean, the, you're still going to. The problem is, is in a World Cup year. That's right. So like, but this is a, this is a different year compared to to most yeah. because of the World Cup. Then you're World asking Fox to play even earlier, for instance. Sure. Although then he gets another week recovery, perhaps. This is the you know the balancing game.
So we got to the end of that. We don't have an answer. Uh, Mitchell Moses. So the guessing game continues on this one. So, look, it's going to go around. It's going to keep going around in circles. Eels or Tigers seems to be the most likely two, perhaps the Bulldogs. What I thought this morning was, is there a left field option? Because every time I hear... Yeah, every time I hear Mitchell Moses and contract talks, I hear either stay at the Eels or go to the West Tigers. That's it. Well, the the dogs were were keen on him for sure. But Phil Gould came out and said no. I thought it was going to be interesting to see if that was ever going to happen because when Phil Gould was at Penrith, he said he'd never work with Isaac Moses, who is uh, who is uh, Mitchell's cousin and manager ever again, and he'd have to. Swallow some pride, Gus, and deal. And, and and halfback is the missing piece in the Bulldogs puzzle from next year, isn't it? I think that's the only thing that they – that the only player he hasn't signed is a so halfback. Would you still put him on that radar? You no, know that, no, you no, know no, that I, anything can happen. I, I mean, know. Just by saying you're not no longer, it's all – it's all yeah. brinkmanship. It's all – it's all negotiation, you know. But so as I understand it, and I think as the Parramatta understand it, the Tigers offer is about 200K extra, 100 to 200K extra a year, which is good coin. Mm. But – uh, I know Mitchell has said in the last 24 hours that premiership, premierships mean more than money. And if that's the case, then he would be mad to leave that Parramatta team. He really would. As, as much as there's good things happening at the Tigers and, I, you know, they've got Papa Lee and they've got um, Coruscant, they've got the new coaching dream team of, uh, of Sheens, Marshall and Farrah, I don't think that revolution is going to happen overnight. I think it's going to take some time. And it's still, the, there's plenty of doubt about just how that coaching structure is going to work and who's going to be there at the end of this season and, and when does T- Tim leave, all that mm. type of stuff. So uh, if if you're Mitchell Moses and you want to win a comp, then you stay at the club you're at. If you're Mitchell Moses and you want to take a bit of a punt, a bit of a gamble, you want to play it a little bit differently, do you look at possibly a one-year extension with the Eels? No for instance, and have a look around at who else might need a halfback in 2024, maybe 2025, or you've got to keep going. No, you get a, you want the security of three years, mm. surely, at the at the least. Um, <clears throat> I think the fact that they've signed, they've extended Dylan Brown, that that's, means the world to him. I love Dylan Brown's quote. Does he want to play with Luke Brooks or me? Cop that. Yeah. Brooksy? Yeah. Put that one out there. Uh, have you got a left field option for Mitchell Moses? I'm interested if anyone out there in conspiracy land can come up with a, a left field option. Perhaps a club down the road that might need a full uh, halfback that could that could tempt Mitchell Moses in a 2025, for instance, and maybe he does a short-term deal. Not sure. I tend to agree with you at his age, where he's at. It's very rare too, isn't it, that you're the player left standing as the player in demand. The most in-demand player at the moment happens to be Mitchell Moses. He's not going to get that again, more than likely, in a year's time. For instance, it'll be the next most in-demand player. So if you can if you can find that spot in all the noise of player movement and player management and signings and all that kind of business, then you've got to strike while the iron's hot. Yes. That said, look, I think Mitchell is an gr- unbelievable player, but. I don't have him in my top halfbacks in the game, you know. I don't – but I think it says a lot about the lack of halves that are around that he's a million-dollar player. But the jury's still out on his ability to steer a team to a comp, as, we, as we've as we seen. So if he, if he – They made the if, grand final. I know they did, but they didn't win it. Beaten by a team that I would suggest would be pre- pretty much any team that was coming up against him. I know, but he's, you know, he's only just starting to deliver on – the promise that he showed when he first joined Parramatta. So, um, 
there will always be question marks about his uh, his mm. his premiership winning ability. But at the moment, he's the player most in demand. He's he's the guy at the top of that tree. 26 games last year, 28 try assists, which is first in the NRL, seven tries, 78% he kicked at and scored the second most points in 220. So we'll follow that bouncing ball. Now, Super Bowl 57, dare I bring it up, but Jordan Mylata's, um story there with the Philadelphia Eagles. There's always great stories to come out of Super Bowl and obviously the Australian Connections, the one of them. Um, is this the storyline that we need to be following for Monday? Yes, definitely. Can't wait. <laughs> I think it's an unbelievable story. I, I've yeah. interviewed Jordan many times. I interviewed him in 2018 when he first got uh, drafted to Philadelphia. And he, he, was, he had an ultimatum. He could have taken $5,000 and played for North Sydney as in South Sydney's feeder team or, and, and lost weight. Because he was such a big guy and said he wasn't going to make it, and, and he ended up backing himself in the NFL, and here he is standing at left tackle, one of the most important positions on the field, protecting the quarterback black the quarterback's blind side um, in a Super Bowl, which they're favoured to win. I mean, it's a pretty good story. Mm. So how how do you watch Monday? I'm actually going to go a little bit gonzo, yeah, and find a uh, a pub. Oh. You're going, I'm going to fall from there. You're going to fall from the pub. I'm going to fall from there. And, because this is the thing, though. Someone ex- explained this to me the other day. It, what could go wrong? <laughs> <laughs> Working at it from a pub from yeah. 10 a.m. Yeah, for hours. It's, it's, Should be good copy. <laughs> it's not a short one. <laughs> Just make sure when you get outside on the footpath, don't, <laughs> don't start a blue. No, I won't. Okay? There'll be no play wrestling. Otherwise, actually start a blue because then you can refer to yourself in the third person. But, but it is, it is it's become it's, – Super Bowl – has become the Melbourne Cup for under 25s. It's the day off. It's the day for yeah. daytime drinking. And yeah. when, I, when it's I've kind of co- like the I've, Everest. I've covered through. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but it's a it's a day. It's a Monday morning when I've covered when I've covered Super Bowls in the past. And like the you talk to players, the media access is crazy. And they pick up the accent. And you say you're from from Australia, and they go, Oh, what, what is their interest in oh. Super Bowl in Australia? I said, Mate, Monday's become like a unofficial day off. Public I holiday. Said, I said it's on at 10 a.m. in the morning and. And the players are blown away yeah. that there are people in Australia, you know, crowded around uh, uh, TVs in, in pubs drinking at 10 a.m. in the morning watching Super Bowl. Let alone journos. But, hey, that's where you find hey, them, it's mate. work. Great it's to work. have you back, mate. Thank you. Uh, coming up on the program this morning, Smithy will join me from SENZ. Ian Smith is uh, the Australians prepare to take on India in the first test over there in Nagpur. And, of course, don't forget Super Bowl 57's coming your way here on SEN. So we'll roll out from Super Bowl 57 into some cricket as well. Um, the cricket, of course, cannot wait for that to start. Jared Waitley, Benny Graham, Larry Fitzgerald Sr. coming to you live Monday morning from 9 o'clock. So check out Super Bowl 57 there as we take NFL to the Neds level. Thanks to Neds and Gamble responsibly, one 800 858 858. I've also had a chat this morning with the new MVP of the NBL, Xavier Cooks, from the Sydney Kings. So I had to um, jump on the phone and um, record an interview with Xavier this morning before they lobbed on a plane and headed on back. I can tell you he is genuinely blown away to have received that award last night. And he did it with quite a few votes in hand. Of the three left standing, he was top of the tree by... A fair old whack. He polled 120 votes. Bryce Cotton from Perth Wildcats, 96. And Mitch Creek from South East Melbourne Phoenix with 80 votes. Next job for the Kings 
is to start getting into the playoffs and they will play essentially the winner of the play-in tournament. So they, they don't know who's coming up next. Uh, 0457 736 736. So a couple of thoughts there that we're trying to get uh, your opinion on, including a left fielder. Have you got a left field idea perhaps to where Mitchell Moses, who's the talk of the town in terms of, of a player move um, for next year, where does he end up? And also the All-Stars concept. Uh, well, Phil jumps on the line and says, Mitchell Moses to Rugby Australia. You heard it here first. That's kind of one for Rumour Tuesday, isn't it? Fletchy boy might have to dig into that. Um, Roosterman says, we've got cap space. <laughs> uh, look, Roosterman, I like the fact you just put it straight down on paper and send it on in. Um, the Pearl, Port Macquarie Pearl. Good morning, Pearl. We need a new T20 captain, Mitchell Moses. So you really are going left field. But something there that Webby touched on in terms of the halfback hierarchy. So you can have some fun around a left field if you want, or you can come up with a genuine left field option. Maybe stay at the Eels for a year or a two-year deal. Do you look at a club that's going to have a halfback that will move on in a, in a year or so or desperately needs another one? Um, but Webby did point out, according to him, you know, in terms of the hierarchies, he's – He's not right up there in Webby's opinion. Uh, my thought was, hang on a second, he did get him to a grand final. He was part of that team that made the GF. I don't know what more you need to do. Um, Tony from Pendle Hill says, I would rank uh, Moses sixth best halfback in the NRL behind Cleary, Hughes, uh, DCE, Ben Hunt, and Nico Hines. Your thoughts on that? Um, something for us to discuss, the halfback hierarchy in the NRL for 2023. Not so much where you think Mitchell Moses ranks, but where you think they all rank. So let's try and get them 1 to 10, uh, if you can, on the text line, 0457 736 736. Welcome back to the program. Don't forget you can catch up on anything that you've missed out via our podcast mornings with Matt White on wherever you get your podcasts and check it out. Uh, Andrew Webster made his return this morning, Wednesdays with Webby for season 2023, and he came out firing, folks. He had um, both holsters going left and right on a whole range of issues. So the NRL allegations of secret recordings between a meeting uh, of players and CEO Andrew Abdo will be a big story. There's uh, some meetings going on now, as we understand. Peter Volandis has promised to investigate what went on, but the RLPA is essentially filthy with the fact that an NRL executive was essentially caught, allegedly, filming uh, or recording the conversations that were being had and then admitted to doing so and then said, well, I did so on the direction of another NRL executive. So, look, that's a separate issue. That's a very serious issue that they've got to deal with. And how does that then play out at the table of negotiations that they're going through right now with the collective bargaining agreement? What does that do to evaporate any remaining trust that was there between those two parties? It is a big story. And I have the feeling that it's only going to get bigger because something will have to come out from it. There's still the possibility of a player strike, perhaps, on the table. And then, of course, what happens with this Latrell Mitchell, Jack White, and essentially a non-incident, but it's certainly a, an issue, a big issue, because it's now a legal issue. And it is before the courts. So they're going to have to deal with all of that stuff in the mix. Your future of the All-Stars and where we could possibly find a clearer 
home for that. And Mitchell Moses as well. Where does he land? And do you have a left field option? We'll hear from Mitchell in just a second. Perhaps a little left field take on that one, courtesy of a man who lives in left field, Aaron Rodgers from the Green Bay Packers. He's not a left fielder. He just sort of operates in that space. And when I play you what he's been up to, you'll understand why. But let's go to the open line. Ian Smith's going to join us soon uh, to talk cricket. But Gavin from Rockdale's jumped on the line. So great to take your call, Gavin. Good morning to you. You'd like to talk about State of Origin. Matty, I've got an idea. The All-Star game seems to be city-country bound um, for mine. Mm. It's an idea that I've had for a long, long time. I just don't know whether or not i um, be interested to get Webby's concept or, or feedback as well. I want to go to the word origin. So the definition of origin is uh, the point or place where something begins, arises, or is derived. Um, so um, Peter Sterling, born in Ipswich, um, but played in New South Wales. Um, uh, we've had numerous other, um, Maxfield. Um, Inglis. Um, I can't think of this. Inglis, yeah. yeah. So here's my idea. We played two games of origin. The first team, the first game, is purely people that were born in Queensland, versus people that were born in New South Wales. And, of course, if someone's then born in another state, well, then the, um, the derived comes from that. So whichever, whichever state they played in uh, their first game. So if someone play, was born in Melbourne, for example, and then they played their first game for Melbourne, then they could then make some sort of conversation. The next one would be the one that everyone wants to talk about, the Samoans, the, the English, the, um, the Kiwis. Mm. We actually have a game of origin and it'd be a blockbuster where they, wherever those people have played their first game in the NRL. Now, again, if it's in New Zealand, there'd be some trickiness to it or played in Melbourne. Mm. But if we could have, I don't know, John Bateman lining up against um, Tamaloa or something like that in a mm. secondary game, I think from a TV rating, it'd go through the roof. It'd have to be pretty damn good to go higher through the roof than state of origin, Gavin. I was writing it down as you were... As you were saying it, so game one is basically where you were born versus where you were born, and then game two is is essentially a game of origin. So where you where everyone comes into the mix. Um, good concept. I mean, it's a, it's an interesting concept. Does it beat state of origin as a concept with all its faults and weirdnesses around where you played and where you grew up and whether or not you were born in Queensland or born in New South Wales? I'm not sure. Um, in fact, I am sure it it's not going to knock that off. So in terms of a concept idea, it gets you scratching your head, but you've got to come up with something that's going to knock state of origin off its perch. And state versus state, mate versus mate was what it was born on, um, even with its vagaries around it, but it's what it's become. And it's going to be very, very difficult to do that. So do you go with that idea from Gavin? Thanks, mate. Appreciate the call. Born v. Born is what I wrote down. So where you're born versus where you're born. Or game of origin. So a different concept. It takes it away from state of origin, essentially, on all of that. But totally different concept. Appreciate that call. Let me know what you think. Now, Mitchell Moses. So spoke to Channel 9 yesterday about where he's at with his contract negotiations. Let's have a listen. It's going to be the toughest, but uh, like I said, I haven't even thought about it on that side of it, I guess. So, like I said, my full focus, and I've let Brad know, I've let the club know that my full focus right now is, is at Parramatta. I've struck up some great friendships here, and like I said, uh, 
when time's right, time's right. Oh, hopefully before the season, yeah. Yeah, hopefully it's sorted before the season, but it's, it's with them now. So Yeah, obviously I've got a say in it, but you know, like I said, it's, it's, I've left it with them and I've got to say with it when it happens, but I've left it with them and focused on power at the moment. Now, we speak all the time. Me and, me and Brooks are really close and we've got a great relationship. I've known him since I was you know, 10 years old. So uh, he's one of my best mates, so uh, we speak a lot. He's the man in the middle. It's interesting, isn't it, because... Quite often, I'm sure that there will be people listening to us go, oh, we're talking about this again. What? Oh, I just wish it would be done. And you kind of get the feeling that Mitchell Moses would be going, are people talking about me again? I just wish it would be done. But let me tell you, you're in that spot. Like I said to Webby, it's very, very rare that you're the person that lands in that man, man in most demand. And you just happen to be there through a whole range of reasons why. He's in that spot right now. And it's a good spot, no matter which way he goes. It's a good spot financially. His career will be um, secure for the next few years. Then the premiership thing, well, sure, that's the biggest unknown, isn't it? But he's in a much, much better spot than being the other way where no one wants you. So as much as it might seem like a bit of a pain in the you-know-where right now, you just let it play out. You try and get the best deal, and it's where you want to sit comfortably in your playing career at this time? Or do you go down the Aaron Rodgers road? So the Green Bay Packers quarterback, uh, he's been around for a long time. He's a different cat. He's going to decide his future in a different way. Have a listen to this. Aaron Rodgers being interviewed on a American show. And this is what he's, well, how he's told them how he's going to decide whether or not he keeps playing or not. To take my, uh, you know, my isolation retreat, just to be able to contemplate all things, uh, my future, and then uh, and then make a decision that I feel like is is best for me moving forward and in the highest interest of my happiness, and then uh, and then move forward. What's isolation retreat? We're just going into a cave. Are you not going to talk? It's four nights of uh, complete uh, darkness. You can, you can leave if you if you you know you can't do it. You can just walk out the door. It's a darkness retreat. You know, a number of friends who've done it and had some profound uh, experiences, and it's something that's been on my radar for a few years now. And I felt like it'd be awesome to do regardless of where I was leaning after this season. So it's been on the calendar for. Uh, months and months and months, and it's coming up in a couple weeks. There's a two-way, like a little slot that they'll they'll drop in uh, some food for you. Solitary. Isolation and darkness. No, you know, no music, no nothing. Are they recording you and your actions? How many people are in there? Just myself. Is there a bathroom? Or you wearing a diaper? You can wear adult uh, diapers if you want, but there's actually a bathroom. Oh, really? I mean, they had very genuine questions there, and a whole stack more. Is there, hang on, is there a slot there? Where do you get your food? And where do you go to the loo? Is there a diaper? Like, what, what? So Aaron Rodgers is going to have a four-day-slash-night darkness retreat, uh, which he originally said is the isolation retreat, but it's a darkness retreat. Walk into a room, solitary confinement. The door's unlocked, by the way, so you can walk out any time. But go on in there. He's sober for the whole thing. He can wear nappies if he wants. And that's how he's going to decide his future. <laughs> Is it? <there, laughs> I don't know which way to go with this one. Geez, I wish Webby was still here, but he had to leave us. Um, but I don't know which way. Is there anyone else you think you could have? Is this is where is this where the negotiations need to go? <laughs> Do we put the old darkness retreat in play here? You know, whatever floats your boat, whatever works for you. And like I said. He's a different cat. But have you heard that one before? And do you reckon you could solve your own problems sitting in a room of darkness with nothing 
for four nights. I reckon there'll be a few more uh, questions and answers that would come out of my mind. Uh, let's get to a few more of these texts. It's 13 minutes after 10 for our Sydney listeners. Andrew from Newcastle says, Matty, the Brisbane Broncos could do with a half in a year or two with Adam Reynolds uh, when he moves on. So come on down um, the thoroughbred, says Andrew from Newcastle. So there's a, there's a kind of a left field idea that I was thinking about, Andrew. I was trying to think of, okay, what if you're in the position where you could buy yourself a year and you could then go and have a look around at a club that you think is going to be more in your premiership window than, than the one you're at? That's assuming you think that there, that it is. And perhaps the Brisbane Broncos could be it. We floated around. So, you know, Daly Cherry Evans got another two years at Manly. So that takes you out to 2025, the end of. So there you go into that world. Do you want to risk that kind of stuff? And then do you cash in when you're the man in the moment? It's a really interesting one. Left field option, Ree Moses, um, uh, with Luke Keary possibly in his situation. I'm hearing the Chooks are making a play. Watch this space, says Matt. Got a few tips of us, uh, tips for us on the text line, Matt. As for state of origin, don't try to fix something that ain't broken, says Stu from Cronulla. Thank you for that. Gavin's suggestion, while innovative, will render the origin series and the shield obsolete. No, it will not happen. Like I said, different cat, uh, different scenario all around when you look at what Gavin was proposing. State of origin is not going anywhere. It, with all its faults, it still is not going anywhere. Don't forget, SEN's coverage of Australia's Tour of India begins uh, tomorrow. So tomorrow from 2.30 right here on SEN, the first test will get underway. What type of team will Australia roll out? Well, we know who won't be there. Mitchell Stark, no. Josh Hazelwood, no. Cameron Green, unlikely as well. Ian Smith is on the line from SENZ, who joins us to have a good old preview about this. G'day, Smithy. G'day, guys. How are you going over there? Yeah, good, mate. Good to talk to you. I haven't spoken uh, this season so far, so I'm keen to get your insights into... Well, A, an Indian series anyway, because you've played over there. What, you ended up playing three test matches in 1988 in in India. So what, what's the experience like? Very different back then to what it's like now. But what, what, what would your advice be to a young bloke going over there for the first time? Well, back in our day, it was eat safely uh, because, um, <laughs> you know, we, we just didn't know. We, we didn't take doctors with us and, and that sort of thing. We didn't have dietitians. We didn't... Um, <clears throat> And the the message we had back in those days was, as long as it's steaming hot, go go fine, and you know, um, and and drink bottled water, etc. And yeah. that that was the first message, ironically, that we got uh, back in those days. And then we started to think about the cricket once we got there. But once we got there, of course, the conditions are absolutely uh, different now. I mean, it's a terrific country to tour, and uh, you know, if you if you really want to test yourself as a cricketer. Um, and you know you you go throughout your career and, and you haven't played India in India, then you know you, you probably haven't lived uh, to the fullest extent because it's it's the toughest kind of cricket you will get. Um, you know it is um, it, it is varying in terms of the conditions. The heat factor will be uh, in there as well. The intensity from the crowd, yeah. and it's almost impossible to get away from cricket. You know, you, you, in most touring situations, you've got downtime. Uh, you can go for a stroll, you can go shopping, you can go to the beach, or, you know, you go to golf. But <clears throat> Australian cricket team will be as well known as anyone uh, in that country over there by their faces, uh, by their presence in town. Uh, they're going to be uh, exhausted by the end of it and, and and probably looking for a decent sort of break from cricket altogether. 
But the fact of the matter is it's so intense, it's so tough. Um, you know, treat day, I'd say to a, a young kid, treat each day um, individually. Don't look at the long term. Just take the small, the small gains and the small losses and, and work from there because it's very, very tough. When you look at the players who haven't played a test match in India, we're talking Manus Labuschagne, Carey, Head, Green, Kawaja, haven't played test cricket, test cricket in India before. But the IPL has become such a modern-day feature, hasn't it? So do you reckon that that... It doesn't dilute um, what they're about to face by any stretch, and what you've just exper- what you've just uh, explained as the experience is. But it's got to make it a little bit easier to understand the culture and the craziness around their support of cricket when they've got that IPL. Most of them have got that IPL knowledge behind them. They've got to be very inward looking, um, and, and they've got to be sponges in that regard off those players that have been there before. Um, you know, there are players that, that have, have have found it tough over there and have learnt from it. Uh, and will have changed their games and their thinking about how to take on India because of that. Uh, but those new boys that you talked about, they're now experienced cricketers, they're on achieving cricketers, and mm. they're, they're on a side that has played some very good cricket throughout the summer, and they're on a roll. No one's looked like at any stage really dominating them. Um, you know, everything they've, they've sort of tried has, has come off. They're really well led uh, by Pat Cummins, who is an achiever in his own right. Um, and then you've got Steve Smith and probably some of the best form that he's uh, been in in quite some time and uh, Usman Kawaja. So you've got plenty of people and, that you can feed off within that group. Uh, and, and Nathan Lyon, who I think is going to be uh, one of the key factors of the tour, is a great competitor, I think, as long as they're inward looking. And, and then you just you just grow as a cricketer. You learn uh, every day, as I said. You, you take it in um, and, and just experience them because... I'll tell you something else. Uh, we won a test in India, uh, and yeah. there's probably no greater feeling uh, than to go there and, and to be successful, and that's what you've got to look forward to. This is a very good Australian side. Um, I rate it very highly. In fact, I picked them to win the series. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be fascinating. So we know that Josh is not going to be there, Hazelwood, that is. Like I said, Mitchell Stark, he won't be right till the second, and it appears as though Cam Green, even though he could bat, um, will more than likely not. So Scotty Boland... Let's give him a big tick because you know what you're going to get. Which way would you go outside of that? Well, it's an interesting one, actually. Um, I'd have to look at the pitch conditions, and that that's a, a little bit of a, a little bit of a lottery over there. You, you just don't know because they've got most of the bases covered as well. India. There was a time where um, you would have just banked on the fact that you would be facing probably three or four spinners in every Test eleven you played over there, but not the case now because they're. Uh, fast bowling attack is much more grounded and, and <clears throat> much more experienced in all conditions. So you... myself, I wouldn't be taking any uh, uh, too many chances. I, yeah, you know, you, you've got Cummins. Uh, it's a uh, you've got bowling. It's a great shame actually that Green isn't there because Green as a bowler is the perfect balance. The perfect balance. If they can somehow, if they could somehow get five or six overs, uh, maybe two or three a session out of Cameron Green. That adds so much to the balance of the side in terms of what you can do with your spin bowling attack. Um, you know, Lions a, a, a big key. Um, Agar, even though he was uh, far from impressive at the Sydney Cricket Ground, uh, he'll have learnt from that. Uh, he might get a little bit more assistance in India as well, and, and he's a good all-round cricketer, which adds to the batting aspect of it. Um, but I, I'd be tried and true without too much experience. It's going to be a huge one. Good on you, Smithy. Great to get your insights, mate. Enjoy the series.
Cheers, guys. Thank you. Lovely talking to you, Matt. You too. Ian Smith there from SENZ. So our coverage tomorrow, 2.30, Eastern Daylight Saving Time. Um, Barat Sundarayson, Peter Lawler, Husha Bogle, um, Adam Collins, of course, heading up the ship until Jared arrives or when Jared arrives for the second test after his Super Bowl commitment. So um, you can see what's heading your way tomorrow right here on SEN. If you need to go out, just take the SEN app with you and you'll get the full uh, play-by-play, ball-by-ball coverage from the first test in Nagpur. And once we know that team, we'll take a very good look at it. But Scott Boland will be there. And then what happens thereafter? But Smithy's got a really good point that sort of gets lost a little bit. This is an achieving team. Yes, Indians are, India in India is a different story. This is a team of high achievers and winners at the moment, and they know how to get things done. Uh, a lot of the experts, I'm yet to find one that's willing to tip against uh, Australia winning this series. And let's not forget, that ain't an easy thing to do. 22 minutes after 10, back after this. Uh, don't forget, Xavier Cooks uh, will play my interview with him, the newly crowned MVP of the National Basketball League from the Sydney Kings, and then it's down to business. So that happened last night. Um, Cook's winning the MVP award, the Andrew Gaze MVP award last night, and he's absolutely stoked about it. But then it's down to business. Their three-game series, the Kings, starts uh, next Wednesday at Kudos Bank Arena with the opponent yet to be confirmed. So it could be anyone from Cairns, Tasmania, South East Melbourne, Phoenix, or Perth Wildcats, essentially, uh, the way that the play in tournament is going to play out. Uh, I'll run you through that if your head's spinning like mine is at the moment. Now, a couple of these texts. It's my belief that sportsmen and women play elite team sport to achieve unbridled success. So why would a player leave a team that's on the precipice of achieving the ultimate success of premiership? No money in the world can replace the opportunity to wear a premiership ring. The Eels are still in the mix for the next couple of seasons whereas the Tigers will be a work in progress for the next few years. That one from the hopeful eel (laughs) with a thumbs up. Uh, Lee and Brizzy, why is the A-League so silent? We don't get score updates in the news and on sports shows on radio. We shut it out of coverage on radio. Not here, Lee. Not here. Um, Global Game, for instance, I speak to Simon Hill every Tuesday morning. Uh, It's got full-blown coverage right here. I can't stop laughing at Aaron Rodgers' concept. I just have visions of Webby sitting in the dark room, clutching his fabric softener close to his chest, says Steve, from under the palm trees. I I don't know, Steve, what's more concerning about that image in my head. Webby in a dark room (laughs) or Webby in a dark room clutching fabric softener close to his chest, which, which he gave away. But even though he wrote that in his opinion piece yesterday on the Latrell Mitchell, Jack Whiten situation. So by the way, kids follow this one at home if you missed it yesterday he said look really I don't give a hoot two hoots about two blokes having a play wrestle on a sidewalk um I've got more things to worry about such as what kind of fabric softener I use and whether I get bang for my buck from it um so I needed to get to the bottom of that turns out he doesn't it was just a nice turn of phrase from the great man Uh, we have our own version of the darkness retreat here in Australia um, says this texter, a place where you go for days and days on and nothing gets done. It's called the Australian Parliament. <laughs> the isolation retreat um, where Aaron Rodgers is going to make his decision. Who else could we put into the old isolation retreat room? <laughs> the darkness room. Oh, dear, we could have some fun with that. I wonder what 2AM Tommy thinks about that. Let's break for the news more after this. Thank you, Vanessa. Now, Robert Craddock has... Um, uh, 
supposedly confirmed that Todd Murphy will be getting a start in the first test. So they're going to go with Nathan Lyon and Todd Murphy, the young spinner making his debut. So we'll follow that one. Crash Craddock with the news uh, to Jared Waitley on this network this morning. So that kind of um, answers the questions there. Who partners Scotty Boland as those coming in? Does Cameron Green actually get a start because he's good enough to bat? Although the interviews from the other players are saying, look, he hasn't been facing anything, so let's put a line through him. Um, That's an interesting play. An interesting play from Australia to bring in Todd Murphy to coincide with Nathan Lyon. Your thoughts around that? Let me know. 0457 736 736 is the number. Uh, 2 a.m. Tommy is with us. And his coins are on the table. Good morning to you. Morning, Matty. Morning, listeners. Morning, Alex. Great to be here. Good to have Webby back on the Wednesday. Fantastic, hey? fantastic edition once again of the morning. Kick stand. off the week with the roundup with Matty Johns on a Monday. We hook right into all the following issues on a Tuesday. And here we are on a Wednesday talking about fabric softener with the big man. Um, do you use fabric softener? Uh, Do you know what fabric softener is? I need to look up some examples of fabric softeners <laughs> just to make sure that I hey. do or don't. Where would you be without Google? Um, now, a couple of issues for us to have a look at. So first up, Jared Waitley speaking to Crash Craddock this morning. Todd Murphy, according to Crash, is the man who's going to get the gig. Um, so we can tick that box and we'll continue to follow on that and you'll follow that up. Um, Correct. Once we have a chat. MVP for the NBL, Xavier Cooks. Going to have a chat with him in the next half an hour or so. I, in fact, I did it this morning, so I had to jump in, had to jump on the phone to him earlier this morning because uh, they're jumping on a plane to come on back. Um, he's he's in an interesting position, Xavier Cooks, almost you know Mitchell Moses-esque in the fact that he's got all eyes on him at the moment and mostly those eyes are from overseas. So what's the destination preferred from the new MVP and how much does that add to his value? I mean, they're looking at him anyway. They know his stats. They know his game. But now that he's the top of the tree, uh, what does that add to the mix? And the old darkness retreat, what do you think you'd solve if you had four days or four nights in a darkness retreat? Room by yourself, um, open door policy. You can walk out whenever you want. Maybe Australia's housing crisis. Hmm. Just keep, keeps getting more and more expensive each year, Matty. Just for our young folk here, like Alex and I, it just gets tougher and tougher. No, I'm kidding. Um, I don't I know. Heard, I heard a good one on that last night where, you know, your parents always say, stop living on your phone. And the younger generation say it's the only place we can afford to live. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, what could I, well, maybe Peter Valandis and Andrew Abdo and Clint Newton should go on a little darkness retreat and just sort out this entire mess. Um, that is the ongoing CBA negotiations. I think that would be good. Mm. I think that would be very, very good. You know who? You know who would? I can I can so see doing a darkness retreat. Yeah, fits him to a T. Brad Fittler. Yes, he is the guy that would definitely do a darkness retreat. Yeah, yeah. Likes we, the earthing. Likes not wearing the shoes. Doesn't like right, like wearing deodorant. He is. I, a I darkness just wonder retreat if you guy. can. I just wonder if you can, if you can sort out whether or not you're going to play on. In a darkness retreat, perhaps I, Tom Brady might have spent a bit of time in the darkness retreat, and him and Giselle may still have. I feel like if you don't on. know already, then yeah, what's four might, days in the dark? Day, yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? Make you hungry because a lot of players they say they say when you know you know, like yeah. you ju- it just flicks. You might be at training one day, you might wake up, and it's a hassle to all of all of a sudden to go to training, go to preseason camp. So if Aaron's already you know juggling whether or not to play or not, is that really a sign? 
Is that really a good sign for him? Who so, knows? So what I liked, it was the Pat um, McAfee, show. McAfee show, wasn't it? Yeah. What I liked was how they just, once they heard isolation retreat, darkness retreat, once they figured yeah. out, hang on a second, you're going, to be in, you're going to be in a box for four days. They were like, what is this? What they, are you went, they went full into the question yeah, mode. As, the normal, as a normal bloke would. Right. So where do you go to the loo? What do you eat? When can you go out? Like, is, what is this? So your journalistic mind. What would be the first question you would ask me if I said to you, Tommy, I'm going into a room for the next four days by myself, no lights, nothing? Well, my first thing would be why. My second question would be, are you okay? My third question would be, no, seriously, are you okay? And then it would be like, yeah, do you eat? Do you speak to anyone? How do you go to the toilet? Because they're kind of the necessities that you need. You need to speak to people. We need that interaction. You need to eat. And, yeah, you need to go to the toilet. Yeah. So how do you do all those three in complete darkness? Well, they threw and like, that and like, where is it? Is it and is it a house? He said it's in a house. Is it in a cave? Well, Tony from Pendle Hill actually went a little bit micro on that. Where is it? As in, where is the bathroom? So he said, Maddie, the first thing I'd do if I was Aaron Rodgers is find out where the bathroom is before they turn the lights off. Do you know how hard it is? It's like an extra skill to have, like an extra sense. When you stay at a new place, like say you go on Airbnb or yeah. you stay at a friend's house, and it's complete darkness, yep. and you have no idea where the where the toilet is, you don't want to turn the lights on because you don't want to wake up other people. Just trying to find your bearings and, all right, where's yeah. it? I walked here before, so I've got to go around this corner and then down the stairs and how hard it is. Imagine that in a whole complete new place where it's isolation retreat. Well, it's you just, know what does my head He's just in? a weirdo. Let's I'm, be real. He's a weirdo. <laughs> I'm very left-right, right? Straight. I'm very sort of linear. Yes. Um, so... If I go and stay and I've spent a lot of my life in hotels, if, if for instance, at home for me to get up and, and go to the loo, it's, you know, get up and go to the right. If I'm staying in a hotel room where I need to get up and go to the left, it completely throws me. Mm-hmm. You know what else throws me? I hate it when I put my shirt on back to front. I can handle any other, you know, the get out of the wrong side of the bed, that's that old saying, or mm-hmm. you kick your toe or you have a bad night's sleep. The thing that could rattle me is just putting my shirt on the wrong way. Only takes two minutes, 20 seconds to t- take it off and put it on the other. I was going to say, if it takes you two minutes, that's a worry. <laughs> no, no, do it, do it. Well, I am in the dark room. Yes. Bloody hard enough. to see. Isolation retreat. Oh. Hey, um, I was trying to do a nice segue there, thinking about retreats, but think about halfbacks. Oh, okay. Speaking about Mitchell Moses. That and works. You've, you've been doing the halfback hierarchy, the yes. rankings. I think it's it's really tricky to do a – and I've done a 1-17, to 17, Matty. I've done a 1-17, to 17, but I haven't done a 1-17 to 17 rankings. I've done a tier system because I think there are some players who are on the same tier as others and some are above others and some are below others. So, And I've, I've also categorized these tiers, uh, little, little sayings or little, yeah, little headlines for me. So tier one, he sits by himself. Tier one is called best in the game. That's Nathan Cleary. New South Wales, Australian, Penrith, Penrith Panthers halfback. Um, Clive Churchill medalist. He is the guy. He is the rock for the Penrith Panthers. He's easily the best halfback in the game. Simply said. That's why he, tier one is the best in the game. Tier two is titled Proven Winners. Yep. And in tier two, we have Jerome Hughes, Daly Cherry Evans, and Ben Hunt. So Daly Cherry Evans and Jerome Hughes, they've been the number seven for a premiership winning team. And I think Ben Hunt, he was the number seven going to the 2015 grand final. He's been a key cog of both the Broncos and the Dragons. Success, Dragons, not so much success, but was outstanding last year. Finished third in the Dally M's. Um, he's played halfback at Queensland, but more hook and more utility. But in my eyes, he's a proven winner. Tier three, about to enter their prime. That's what the tier is labelled. And that's Mitchell Moses, 
age 28, and Nico Hines, age 26. And that might be a bit strange because Nico Hines has already won a Dally M. But I think Joey Johns has said it constantly. Maddie, Maddie's probably said it as well. The halves, I don't get that into that prime until their late 20s, early 30s. So I think Moses and Hines, they're about to enter that. Now, tier four, tier four and tier five, they've got the same titles, but the players are there by themselves. So tier four is titled, still got it. Ah, okay. Tier four, Adam Reynolds. So the biggest worry with Adam Reynolds and the South Sydney Rabbits, that whole saga was, can he still hang on? Is his body up to it? Didn't play that many games last year. Played less than 20 games. Had a hamstring injury. Had a back injury, which go hand in hand. But when he did play, he was he was the reason for the success. He was the reason why they were in the top eight for majority of that season. Tier five, a guy who I did not see this coming last year, uh, still got it. Chad Townsend. Okay. That was going to be my biggest question. Yes. Because weirdly enough, he could even fall into your tier two. Proven winners. Yeah. yeah, that's true. He was a number seven on a uh, premiership winning team, but it, he's dropped back at like the, those last few years with the Cronulla Sharks. He dropped back a fair peg for me. And then he went to the Warriors mid season and then went back to the Sharks and then he went to the Cowboys. I had huge, huge question marks over the Cowboys when they signed Chad Townsend, especially for the coin that they were paying him. But last year, his combination with Dean and his combination with Scott Drinkwater, Reese Robson, he turned, he, him and Todd Payton and some other key members there turned that club around in a really, really good way. Tier six. Oh, young another one. Young, no, mate, we've got nine tiers here. Tier six, young throbbers. Young throbbers. Sam Walker and Lachlan. Young what is? Young throbbers. They're throbbers. They're getting it done. Sam Walker, Sam Walker and Lachlan Ilias. Sydney Roosters and South Sydney Rabbitohs halfbacks, respectively. They just keep on marching on. Matty, watch your space. 2023, they're going to go bigger and better. Still more to prove. Tier seven, Jackson Hastings and Jamal Fogarty. Tier yep. eight, there and thereabouts. That's what it's called. Sean Johnson, Tana Boyd, Sean O'Sullivan. And to put it lightly, sorry, Tigers and Bulldogs fans. Tier nine, no hope. Luke Brooks and Carl oh. Flanagan. I actually like the tier names. Thank better, you. Better than anything out of all that. That's an interesting way to put it. Um, the Pearl says Tom Brady's the goat. Patrick Mahomes is the heir apparent. And Aaron Rodgers is the mushroom. Left in the dark, but still... A fun guy. Get it? In my opinion, Jonathan Thurston is the GOAT. Nathan Cleary is the heir apparent. Joey is there and thereabouts. You know, oh. he's, he's probably the second. He's probably the second. But, yeah, no. tier one, Nathan Cleary, best in the game. And in my opinion, there is a severe – there is a big gap between tier one and tier two. I think Nathan Cleary is on his own level in the NRL. But, yeah, tier nine, no hope. Lu- uh, Kyle oh, Flanagan geez. and Luke Brooks. Oh, right. Sorry. Harsh. Very, very harsh. Nice work. Uh, just on the text line, Matty, I was an official last year at the Curry Knockout and Latrell was mobbed by young kids. I can tell you now, him getting arrested for these things is exactly what every parent doesn't want to happen to their kids. Latrell, uh, excuse me, Latrell, you're a role model and a hero to these kids. Pull your head in or shush. Uh, that one on the text line. Well, I mean, everybody's having their say about what unfolded. Yesterday, when they when they touched down, we played you a little bit of the audio of the journos trying to get something out of them. And, and it was pointed out very well by our listeners. I mean, what else can they say? It's, it's, it's in front of the courts. But both Latrell Mitchell and Jack Whiten did have a little bit more to say. Here's Latrell first. I'm apologetic, obviously. I, know I really just want people to know that, you know, obviously the game of rugby league is what it is. And, um, and I just don't want to take that focus away from this week. He's both happy to be here and we can't wait to play. And uh, we just want to focus on the week and, uh, and keep enjoying it together. I don't know, would you hear about it if it wasn't Jack or uh, another Sean Mitchell? 
yes, Latrell, we would. Um, would we hear about it louder because it's Latrell Mitchell and Jack? Yes, we did. Um, so either own it or ditch it completely. And unfortunately, I think he got himself a little bit mixed up there. It's not the biggest crime in the world. It's not, a, but the fact is, it's now in front of the courts. That was courtesy of Channel Seven. So to this from Jack Whiten. I'm very sorry to the club, you know, it's worked for the last five years to repay my last muck-up, so, yeah, it's definitely not what no one wanted. No one wanted to go home, I guess, and if it wasn't, wasn't on the town, it doesn't happen, and I think we've got to be smart on that. So Jack White in there, very apologetic, and as Andrew Webster said to us this morning, he's, he's absolutely embarrassed by what happened there, and there's ownership of that. If we don't go out, it doesn't happen. Now, I'm not of the opinion that you say to footballers, don't go out and don't have a drink. You can't say that anyway. You just, you cannot just drill that into them and expect them to do that. They're young men. They've got the right to do what they want, but you do have to make choices. So I'm of the opinion where you say, you know what? If you are going to go out, you're going to have to make a choice at some stage during that night. Whether that choice is, do I then go out to the nightclub, which from the reports that I've seen, people were saying, hey, whatever you do, don't go out. Or if you do go to the nightclub, do you make a choice? Do I have this one or do I stop? Or do you make a choice? Do I go home? Or do you make a choice? Do I go out and have a roll around? So at some stage, you're going to have to make a choice. And I said this yesterday, if you can tap into the 2% into that head where it's 98% affected by something, if you can tap into that 2% and make a decision that's going to have a better outcome, then perhaps that's a better way to look at it. So instead of saying don't, 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 perhaps you point out, you know what the ramifications are going to be. So at some stage, you're going to have to make a choice. You're going to have to work out how you make that choice. And the whole excuse that because you're a footballer with a big name, it becomes an issue, crap. That's not the bottom line. As Jack White and Jess said, you know what? Spent a whole heap of time since my last discretion working on that, and I'm embarrassed by the fact, and look, if we didn't go out, this thing wouldn't have happened. So it's on us. We shouldn't have gone out. Latrell comes out and says, is it a story if it's not Latrell Mitchell? Come on. Be bigger and better than that. Or guess what? It'll happen again. 0457 736 736 on the text line, or give us a call, 1300 01 1170. Now, as we know... Uh, I brought this to you earlier, courtesy of Tommy, that um, Todd Murphy appears to be the man in the frame. This is what Robert Craddock, Crash Craddock, has told Jared Waitley this morning. They're really looking hard at Murphy. He's only played a handful of games uh, for Victoria, but he's impressed everyone with his control. And I've just sent the story out now that they've basically told him, look, you are right in the mix, mate. You are really, really right in the mix. And I know... Victorian cricket at the moment is buzzing with that sort of uh, speculation that, that he, he is in the mix. And now there's three ways for he can get in the team, Jared. Yep. He can get in the team replacing Ashton Agar. I find that surprising given the rough spot is the one area where Agar can dart it into the body. You know, he can he can use that. The, the rough spot was developed for, for India's left-arm bowlers, Axa Patel, uh, and also Ravi Jadeja. The other way he, ways he can get in is if he replaces Scott Boland, and Australia plays one Seema, Pat Cummins, or, and this is the one I really like, 
if they make Alex Carey their number six batsman and play five bowlers, sometimes you've just got to do that. If you just, you know, you've just got to, got to find a way to get bowlers into your team. So they're the options. They're the options. And what Crash is hearing, not what's uh, being rock, rock solid set in stone, is that Todd Murphy's probably the most likely option. So we'll continue to follow that. We'll be back after this break. Don't forget, Xavier Cooks will be my special guest in our next hour. So in about 10 minutes from now, we'll catch up with the MVP. I'll play you my interview that I did earlier with the MVP of the NBL. Uh, Xavier Cooks uh, coming up very, very soon. So the newly crowned MVP. And then I'll run you through how it plays out in the NBL finals series, essentially with the play-in tournament, play-in tournament starting tomorrow. The qualifiers and then the seeded qualifiers. It's a double header and the Kings um, just waiting until next Wednesday to find out who they will face in the first part of their premiership back-to-back championship puzzle so to speak. Did you see the story this morning from Adrian Prezenko saying that Nelson Asifus Solomona says he can't rule out a possible switch to rugby union and waiting on the old phone call from Eddie Jones. Now for listeners to this program, regular listeners, you might've heard on Monday, you can catch up on the podcast, uh, my one-on-one head-to-head interview with Eddie Jones. Uh, covering a whole range of issues as the incoming new, new coach of the Wallabies second time around. And one of the things that I asked him about was NRL because he's had a major interest in it. It's part of his, um, well, part of his life really from growing up in La Perouse and obviously went down the rugby union path, but NRL's always been there. The fascination to coach it has always been there, but now he's locked up with the Wallabies. And I did pose to him the question, you know, pick a player, which player could you get? Who would you go for? And he, <laughs> he was around when they tried to get it one Andrew Johns, and almost got him. Almost got him. However, Cameron Murray was a player that he threw out there as well. So there are plenty of players. I guess there's got to be some sort of hit list as well for Rugby Australia. There would have to always be. I don't know. I haven't seen the whiteboard, but I'm thinking if you were rugby Australia and you had your wits about you, you'd be looking across the codes and saying who might be available, who might not, who might we be interested in, who might not. Anyway, Nelson has said he'd seriously consider representing the Warriors, uh, the Wallabies rather, should the opportunity arise. Yet to receive the old call from Eddie, but he's one of several stars linked. This is Adrian's report this morning. Has a union background and reportedly met with Dave Rennie. Um, when the pandemic-affected season came around and he had qualms about the vaccination, which threatened his career. And as Adrian points out, which is what we spoke to Eddie Jones about, he's got no secret about looking at the best league talent. He got Wendell Saylor across, Lottie Takiri, Matt Rogers in his first in the job, so why wouldn't you do it again? Now, Nelson represented New Zealand at the World Cup, Rugby League World Cup, but a code code switch would be a genuine option and points out that he's been at the storm for such a long time. I've always been enticed to go back to rugby at some stage and just seeing the talent that we've got at the storm and the future, the storm's in good hands even if I leave. So he does say, I'm not too sure what I want to do. I change my mind every day. So good on him for putting that one out there. But he's right when he says, it's hard to say if I would join the Wallabies, but I'd be silly not to consider all of my options. How old do you reckon Nelson is? I mean, you look at, he is a massive man. 
would you would you think he's at the back end of his twenties? He's only twenty six. Only twenty six years of age. Eddie hasn't been in touch yet. Obviously, I've seen the headlines. I'm getting a bit uh, stick around, a bit of stick around the club. I'm still waiting for the phone call. So there's a little bit of leverage there. There is uh, a little bit of leverage when you're in that kind of position. So, I mean, obvious question off the back of that is, if you're Eddie Jones, who are you looking at? Who's the modern day player that you'd look to for either a quick hit, a quick fix maybe, or somebody that you could bring into the Wallabies system and away they go? Sue uh, Lee, how does that sound? Does that does that one work for you? And then if you are Eddie Jones and you look at your form guide and you go, well, I got Wendell, I got Lottie, and I got Matt Rogers. All three worked out okay. Who's my next Wendell? Who's my next Matty Rogers? Who's my next Lottie Takiri? It's, it's an interesting game of... What if? Uh, 0457 736 736. On the text line, a couple of texts just about uh, this whole Latrell Mitchell, Jack White and situation. G'day, Matt. When Latrell played for the Roosters, I kept saying to my family and friends that he needed to pull his head in with his carry-on on the field. As a father, I'd be shocked if my kids knew that I'd been arrested like your previous caller said. I agree he needs to pull his head in. Uh, his head in. Um, yeah, I mean, this. I, I just think, it's, it's interesting, isn't it? There's a, a lot of talk around the maturity of Luttrell since he came back, and I'm not here to question his character. I don't know the man. But you find yourself in this position. The ways to not find yourself in this position are also an option. It's not as though this is not an option. So there's an option to put yourself in that position. There's also an option to get yourself out of that position in the first place. And both need to have equal footing. When you're in that position in the game, in public, in your contract, I don't buy into the role model stuff. I buy into the fact that kids like to look up to them as heroes and I want to play like him. Um, But there is an option not to do it. And I think that's what a lot of these people have to remember. As big or as small as it is, the option's always there. Not saying that we always get it right. No way in the world at all. But when the option is then... Uh, played out like it did, you then have to accept it and work out, okay, how do I not make this happen second time around? I get the feeling from what we heard that Jack Whiten's got it. He's a bit older. He's five years older. But he got it. He woke up the next day and went, "Uh uh-oh, I need to work out how to make sure that this one doesn't happen again. Luttrell said, would it be a story if Luttrell wasn't in it? Uh, I don't know. Um, Well, I do know, but I just don't know where that one leads. Alrighty, as I mentioned uh, a little earlier this morning before we came on air, had to grab hold of the phone, pick it up and uh, dial the newly crowned MVP at the National Basketball League after a late night last night. Xavier Cooks took out the title. So here's my interview with Xavier. And I started obviously by offering him a big congratulations. Uh, Thank you, guys. Thanks for having me. What does it mean to you? Uh, Talk me through the emotion of last night. Uh, it means a lot. I mean, it was a huge honor to even be nominated for the award, let alone win it. And especially being in a room of, I don't know, 100 guys around the league that I have a huge respect for. So it, was, it means a lot to me. 
you did it um, pretty well in the voting too. 120 votes, so Bryce Cotton 96 and Mitch Creek 80 votes. Were you one of those, did you keep your eyes on the votes? Were you nervous throughout the night? Yeah, I was nervous. I'm not going to lie to you. I was <laughs> extremely nervous. Um, but no, I didn't keep an eye on the votes and I haven't even seen that yet. So it's pretty cool to know, but I wasn't keeping an eye on it at all. <laughs> so how did the night pan out for you? You sound pretty fresh to me this morning. Yeah, yeah, we have a playoffs coming up, so nothing too crazy. Just uh, the awards night was in the casino, so I went downstairs for a little while, a bit of a gamble, tried my luck. Wasn't feeling that lucky, so I went home. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you weren't feeling lucky, but you had a what a heck of a lucky night. So, did you have any wins downstairs or not? You just bailed out. Uh, definitely did not. I had lost about a hundred dollars, but some great times, some great memories. So uh, couple of price on that. Geez, you're smart, mate. You know when to walk away. Good work. So just just on that thing, on the MVP side of it, you, you join in the last five seasons. Jalen Adams won it. Andrew Bogut's won it at your club. So we're talking some some pretty good company. But then you look up at the trophy itself, and it's got the name of Andrew Gaze on it. An absolute legend of the sport. A legend of a person. So. What does the Andrew Gaze part of this MVP trophy mean to you? I mean, there's a reason why the award's named after him, and I've got a statue of his face. It's going to be in my room for the rest of my life, pretty much. But, um, I mean, the man is one of the goats of Australian basketball. He's a seven-time MVP. He's, a, he's been the benchmark for Australian basketball for so many years, and um, yeah, it's a huge honour. It's a huge honour. You sound as though you're pretty cool to just switch straight back into Sydney Kings mode and the job ahead. And, and obviously you're very focused on what's ahead, but you don't know who your next opponent is. How are you guys preparing for that as this play-in tournament gets underway? Uh, we're not going to really focus on that too much. It's going to come around. We normally focus on our scout about three or four days before the game. We're really focused on the Sydney Kings getting better. And we've still got a long way to go. So we're going to get back and train tomorrow and start the process ready for playoffs because Playoffs of a different beast. Xavier, we've spoken a lot uh, this season about the success of the Kings at Kudos Bank Arena and the amount of fans that have come along in record numbers. So take me into your view. When you get out on court, what does it do for you? I mean, everyone loves their home ground support, right? But when you home court support, when you get it, what does it do for you personally and in a game process way? Um, initially when I work at walkout, it usually gives me chills just because you never really know what the numbers are going to look like. And they, they've always got projections, but you never really know. And then once you're out in the game, it just gives you so much energy. It gives you so much energy. And once you go on little runs when you might score about three points in a row, about my bad, about three buckets in a row, you can really ride those waves for a lot longer. And then when other teams go on, on runs, you can really try and shift momentum because the crowd's really behind you. So it's, it's a huge advantage. Yeah, absolutely. And the other thing we've been speaking about is the amount of scouts around. So I don't know if you've got too much to say about this, but obviously you know that the eyes of the NBA in particular are looking and they're focusing on people like you, probably more so now that you've got three fairly juicy letters after your name, MVP. That still sounds pretty crazy when you when you say those three letters. But um, I'm really just trying to focus on Sydney Kings. I mean, I don't want to get... You know, think of the big picture too much. My job here is always to be in a winner championship again for Sydney Kings, and I believe that my path to the NBA is by winning another championship. Have you got a team? Have you got a team in mind or or a favourite team over there? Uh, any team, man. Beggars can't be choosers. <laughs> I just want to be in the association at all. So yeah, you're all over it. You're a man in a hurry. Just one thing I do want to know: How many text messages did you wake up to this morning? Uh, to be honest with you, I haven't even really been on my phone that much just because it's just it's daunting. It's a bit too much to handle right now. But we've got a plane ride home, and I'll probably check it out on the plane. But 
In the hundreds, in the hundreds. <laughs> well, listen, good luck for the rest of the season. It's really starting to pick up now. The Kings have been leading the way, and you've been leading the Kings so beautifully. Congratulations on last night, mate. It's a huge honour and well-deserved. So soak it up and keep on punching. Thanks, man. Thanks for having me, guys. I really appreciate it. Xavier Cooks there earlier this morning. The Kings start their three-game series next Wednesday at Kudos Bank Arena, so the opponent yet to be confirmed. Play-in tournament starts tomorrow, so Phoenix v Wildcats. That's at John Kane Arena. And then up in Kansas, it's the Taipans v the Jack Jumpers. So that's the first part of the puzzle as we head towards the final. We are, of course, heading towards Super Bowl 57, which you'll catch right here. So we want to talk some odds this morning. Jamie Rogers from Tabs on the line. G'day, Jamie. Hey, Matt. How are you? I'm good, thanks. Really good. Now, we went through all sorts of weird and wonderful novelty odds for the Super Bowl, which I'll get your thoughts on in just a sec. But where are we at overall? <laughs> overall? I always love the novelty bets, so I'll be waiting to hear what you've got for me. Yeah. Um, so, overall, we've got Philadelphia are the favourite way at $1.80. Kansas City are at $2.00. And we are holding about 20% more on the Chiefs at this stage. And it's the same with the line, which is currently at 1.5, and the money is sitting with... Kansas City, but if you're looking at when we first opened up on the NFL season for the Super Bowl, Kansas City was $7.50, but it was Philadelphia that started the season at $29, and at one point they got out to as much as $41, so they've had a big turn and change in fortunes, they're now the favourites heading into Super Bowl. Yeah, we followed that a bit yesterday as well, so that's how it's sitting overall. Now, Rihanna's first song. How long the national anthem goes and the colour of the Gatorade that's going to be poured on the winning coach. <laughs> do, you want to, do you want to take a swing at any of those? I reckon the Gatorade is going to be red. Yes. And I think we'll put that at like a $1.50 for one of those. Yeah. Uh, Rihanna, what song did you go for for Rihanna? Oh, what did we end up with? Um, Tommy, Tommy, tell me, what did we? I can't remember what we ended up with. But Umbrella is one. But I think that's that's at long odds. So yes. uh, I'm not really sure. But the length of the national anthem's an interesting one. So we've got Chris Stapleton doing it. One. Yeah, and, and I think it's an it's a minute twenty no, hundred and twenty seven seconds over or under. So can you get it done in just over two minutes or not is the is the question. <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, I guess that's an issue as we all sit there with our stopwatch to, yes. to be timing that. But we do have all of our customers. Everyone always loves these novelty bets. So it certainly adds an extra bit of yeah. excitement and intrigue into the game as well. So yes. we're going to be set for a massive one on Monday. It's a good one. So what's uh, what's Tab up to? What happens on Monday morning? Some party plans for Super Bowl 57 for you guys? Yeah, I mean, Super Bowl is always really big for us because we, we've been partners with the NFL for about four years now. So you can, if you can't get to your local and you are stuck at work and you don't have access to a TV, which a lot of people do these days, but if you don't, you can watch the, the Super Bowl through your tab app and we always have Super Bowl parties. So if you're around the hotel staying in Manly, which is open from 9 o'clock, so you can get there nice and early and there's lots of competitions going on, like things like a hot dog eating competition and get some NFL merch and course entertainment and special guests and there's not tickets for those sort of events so you can just rock up with your mates and get a good seat to to watch the super bowl but of course watch it through the tab app it's, as i said you can't get to your local or no access to a tv nice might see you there monday morning good on you jamie great to catch up yeah. thanks matt see you soon yeah you can do everything on super bowl 57 just go to the tab app um obviously those parties they're taking place and some novelty bets to place as well but overall 
Um, well, the money starts to pour in, doesn't it? It starts to get serious now. The more we read about it, the more it gears up, and then we all head towards Monday morning. Stuart, thank you for your text um, just around uh, the the announcement or the announcer that, that I said that Crash Craddock had said that Todd Murphy will be selected in the test team and then we got the audio from Jared Waitley's show where he said he was he was in the mix in the mix you point out that it was hardly a certainty and and you're right you're right about that so um Crash didn't say that he's going to be selected he said that he was certainly in the mix and and then interestingly enough pointed out the three different ways that that could happen so you're spot on about that mate always happy to be pulled up it's 20 minutes after 11 o'clock back after this break uh, on the text, Maddie Chris Stapleton, all his songs are short and he sings real quick, Take the Unders. I know Chris Stapleton's work. Um, I, I just don't know if you, if you want to – do you want to shorten out on the Star Spangled Banner or do you want to take your moment and take it past the 127 seconds, 127 and a half seconds that the uh, punters or the betting agencies are looking at? I'm not sure. Uh, but thanks for the heads up. Sharky. Now, Barat Sundarace and part of our team that will bring you full coverage of the test starting tomorrow has had a chat with Steve Smith before the first test in Nagpur. We thought we'd play you this bit of an extended chat here with Stephen Smith, courtesy of Barat. Stephen Smith, thanks for speaking to us. Uh, two days out from uh, the first test uh, in the Australia. There was a lot of hype, always a lot of expectation. And just the training and how are you looking forward to it? Yeah, excited. Um, yeah, it's... Uh... It's rolled around uh, nice and quick now. It's, uh, it's time to get out and play. Uh, we've had a good preparation the last week or so here in, in India. The guys have, have done really well. Um, and it's, uh, it's game time now, so it's, uh, it's exciting. Uh, and just look, there's a lot of talk about a spin and how we play against spin. You've had your own approach and you've worked around it over the years. Uh, you've made many trips to India before you've had success here. So where is your batting against spin now? No, I feel like I'm in a good place. Um, no, I feel like I'm batting nicely. So uh, all the work in the last week, getting used to the conditions again, has, has been really good. Now it's just about implementing those plans nicely out in the middle. And, yeah, fingers crossed it all pays off. And, and of course, there'll be all eyes on your battle with, with Ashwin and Jadeja, two guys you've played a lot against over the years. Uh, all three of you are at a stage in your career where you all can't seen it all. So just about that, we look forward to it. Yeah, no, I always love coming up against uh, quality performers like those two. Um, you know, they're, they're world-class, particularly in these conditions. So uh, it's going to be a good battle. Um, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. And just in terms of like the batting around you, I mean, you've been part of different batting lineups over the years on India Tour. Um, where do you see this one, a bunch of them who haven't played any test cricket at all in India? No, I think... Um, the, I think they can take a lot of confidence um, out of the way we've played the last year or so uh, in Pakistan and Sri Lanka. Um, the methods that guys have been able to adopt um, have been really good. So uh, the practice has been good the last week. Guys have been working on their plans and how they want to go about it. So now it's just implementing it in the middle when you're under pressure. And that's if we do that well, uh, hopefully it goes a long way to winning. Is, is it a good thing that there's a nice mix of uh, batters who play spin differently, like up and down the order? I think so, yeah. Um, got a few guys that sweep really nicely, guys that use their feet, get deep in their crease, defend well. Um, it's a good mix, so yeah, hopefully it's a little bit unsettling for the bowlers. That's the, that's the key, I suppose, and um, we're able to put pressure on them in different ways. And just in terms of the, the spin bowling, I mean, there's Nathan Lyon and then three relatively inexperienced bowlers at, at this level in, in test cricket. Uh, just how do you see them backing up? Uh, well, I'm sure everyone will be fine. Um, 
Uh, we've worked really hard the last week. Guys have been able to get used to the conditions and, yeah, uh, find find what works for them. So, um, no, it should be a, a good challenge between bat and ball. And, look, it's India versus Australia, uh, so there'll always be Steve Smith and Virat Kohli and those things come up. How do you look at those comparisons, if you can call them that, uh, leading into a series, apart from just focusing on your own batting? Yeah, no, I don't look at them. Uh, <laughs> I just focus on what I can control, and that's uh, yeah, implementing my plans and hopefully having some success out in the middle to, to help us score a good total. And, and just finally, look, uh, for a lot of guys in this team, this is potentially the last test tour to India, uh, just based on where they are, the stages mm-hmm. are that hunger to, to win like, and you want that feather in your cap like a series win in India how much of a driving factor do you think that is as a team for you guys to win? No of course um, and, uh, not just the guys that are potentially on their last tour I think everyone here is here for a reason to, to try and have a successful tour um, winning here would be a yeah, huge feather in our cap as you said um, it's, a, it's a big one for us so uh, no the guys are excited and ready to get into it Beautiful thanks Cool well Steve Thank you Old rumour Tuesday got a few things going again yesterday, didn't it? Fletchies. <laughs> uh, that's a really great idea for us. It's the all care, no responsibility segment. Well, no care, no responsibility segment. So, uh, yeah. Fletchie Boy and Sugar back with you this afternoon. And Jimmy Smith, of course, coming up in between. Matty on the text line. Just a question. When was the last time the press reported on an indiscretion by a professional driver, professional tradesman, professional banker? We, the public and press, put these kids on pedestals, then rip them apart when they do not conform to our and your expectations. Who do we all think we are? You reap what you sow. Uh, Thank you for that. Um, Jack Whiten's 30 years of age. Latrell's 25. You you know what I'm saying around the kids factor? But, look, expectations, I don't give a hoop whether they roll out of a Canberra nightclub or not. But you've got to be aware of the ramifications of that. And that's one of the things about it. Steve from Waraknabil, this Moses thing, as in Mitchell Moses, is starting to sound a bit like the Reynolds thing at Souths. They had a reason of not offering a long contract because they had another option. Could Parramatta be in the same boat? Well, I don't know. I don't know. The, the guessing game continues. And what we were looking for this morning was the old left fielder. Could you get a left fielder? Out of Mitchell Moses, it appears more and more likely the longer it goes on that he stays where he is, doesn't he? Um, like to be in that position. Yes, Tommy. Morning, Matty. Morning, Alex. Morning, listeners, once again. Thank you very much. Two things. Uh, Moses and Reynolds. I think the South Sydney Rabbitohs were a bit cautious because of Reynolds' age mm-hmm. and because of his injury history. They didn't want to get burnt like they did with Sam Burgess and Greg Inglis. Um, and I think to, to their eyes and to many eyes, they were proven correct last year. Uh, Adam Reynolds played what less than 20 games, as I mentioned last hour, um, for the Broncos. So I think they've proven correct. And then this other text here, um, where he's having to go, uh, would the press write about a professional tradesman or professional banker? Let, can we be fair, Nickim, here? Thousands of people are not going week in, week out to watch a professional tradesman do his job. Millions of people don't tune in to watch a professional banker do his job. Like, you're comparing apples and bloody oranges here. Like, that's... Sorry, that's a ludicrous text. People don't care about tradesmen. People don't care about um, bankers. People don't care about doctors or n- nurses. So maybe they should, but guess I what? Do. I, I do. My mum's a nurse, but guess what? They don't really care that much. Mm. They care more about athletes. They care more about celebrities. That's the world we live in. And guess what? People are interested. People are invested in their lives. And like you said with Webby at the top of the show, 
players getting charged by something by the police is a story. Well, it's an issue. That's what it is. Um, Peter, here's one just on a totally different tangent. I see the Aussie Live Golf team, captained by Cameron Smith, has been named Ripper GC, and their colours are maroon and gold. Uh, I think we'll be seeing a lot of this merchandise on Australian golf courses in the near future. I haven't seen that one, Pete. Thank you for pointing that one out. So the team, I, I don't like the team aspect of Live Golf, but that's what it is. So the team's called Ripper GC. <laughs> And they're going some, well, Cam Smith, if he's leading the way, he loves his, you know, he's Queensland and Maroon. And then the Aussie gold in there as well. So you're right. Merchandise around Australian golf courses in the near future. Haven't seen much live golf merch, have you? No, I haven't. Hmm. Okay. That'd be interesting. Um, I'd be having a look. I think it'd be pretty funky. I just can't buy into the team stuff. I don't mind live golf. I'm, I'm, Happy that there's something out there that's a, a little bit different. We'll have to see who's going to win the war because that's all it is. It's just about who's got the biggest paychecks and who can provide the biggest content. Um, I know who's got the biggest paychecks. <laughs> Are they still having that issue with player rankings and whatnot, playing for points? Yes. As far as I understand that the ranking issue is – I'll dig in. But as far as I understand, yes, there's still issues around whether or not they can get their rankings points because Cam Smith's ranking, for instance, has slid fairly heavily. Um, but they have been opened up to more tournaments that they can play. Mm. So the, remember the day, remember on this program last year, we actually went into the mechanics of the rankings, the official World Golf Rankings, O-W-G-R, uh, World Golf Rankings, yeah, O-W-G-R. And... One of the biggest problems is that they only play 54 holes. So that's, yes. that's one of the biggest problems in live golf. Another big problem is you've got to have um, second tiers. You've got to have lower tier competitions to get yourself in. You've got to have some sort of foundations built into it. You've got to have all this stuff that then says you can have official, a place on the official rankings. Mm -hmm. They do make exceptions around 54 holes uh, and certain tournaments but the exceptions are going to be hard to come by. So logistically speaking, it's very, very difficult for them to win that argument. Um, the argument will remain about who's got the deepest pockets. Oh, there's a text here from Port Macquarie Pearl. I'll be honest, first time listening to mornings this year. Okay, a little, little bit too honest. Uh, where's the Tribune? Uh, Tribune was back for the first week. Then I worked on the run home and then we didn't really do the Tribune last week, but it will be back bigger and better Tomorrow. So we don't have a show on Friday because Morning Glory is back with Matty Johns, but Tribune will be back. So maybe start thinking of some headlines in regards to, well, the preseason challenge kicks off. So think of some headlines around the preseason challenge and think of some headlines regarding the first test between Australia v India. But don't send them in today. Send them in for tomorrow's show. Do you think now that what are we, how long have we had the Tribune? Oh, a good year and a half? Yeah, we, we got it around, I want to say, mid-year 2021. Okay. So are we currently in the successful small business uh, game here that we've survived the first six months? I would assume so, yeah. Right. Now we just we need to generate some revenue, though, for the Tribune. There was my question. So do we bring in advertisers? There was my question, Tommy. Yeah. Sponsors. Was, my question was then do you think that we could actually now start to monetize it, as so, in get people to pay for our stupid headlines? So listeners – who is the best business to sponsor Tommy's Tribune? That's a great question. There mm. you go. Yeah. It'll Winner cost... gets a signet boost power bank. And it'll cost you 10 bucks to 
send that text. No, yep. it won't. Um, just quickly, Sammy T, just want to jump off the bad news wagon of the NRL at the moment. It's not all bad news. And mention the supercars. The next-gen uh, team cars have now hit the track for testing. And my gosh, they look good. I'm getting excited for the season now. I've seen some of that. Sammy T, yeah, they do look good. Um, anytime you're rolling out new cars, new look cars is going to make some headlines. And, and part of the lure, as you well know, Sammy, of supercars is it's part of our DNA in Australia to have, you know, big, brutish, loud cars. And whilst the industry itself, the automotive industry is going the other way and the world's going the other way, supercars has to find that balance. And from what I've seen, mate, I agree with you. There's certainly there across the board that that grunt factor in supercars. They look a bit trans at the moment. Uh, thank you for that. Now, Tommy, last time you were in, you came out with, uh, you came up with your top uh, ranked My tier, halfback tiers. Your yes. halfback tiers. Now, which way are you taking us? Well, I want to continue uh, uh, talking about the Aaron Rodgers uh, story. Now, to all, all our listeners who weren't ca- uh, caught up with it, Aaron Rodgers, NFL quarterback, um, he's about to go on the market, decide, decide if he wants to continue playing on in the NFL. He's, he's into his late 30s, and he was speaking on his good friend's show, Pat McAfee's show, about how he's going to figure out if he wants to play or if he wants to retire. And it's a very unique and um, bizarre way how he's going to come to this decision. So let's have a listen to it first. To take my, uh, you know, my isolation retreat, just to be able to contemplate all things uh, my future, and then uh, and then make a decision that I feel like is is best for me moving forward and in the highest interest of my happiness, and then uh, and then move forward. What's isolation retreat? We're just going into a cave. Are you not going to talk? It's four nights of uh, complete uh, darkness. You can, you can leave if you if you you know you can't do it. You can just walk out the door. It's a right. darkness retreat. Yeah, you know, a number of friends. Yeah. So we, I mean, we don't. We probably don't need to go through all that no. again. The uh, it's a darkness retreat, Tom. That's yes. what it is. A darkness retreat. Then they pressed him on the the pressing issues, mate. Uh, food, toilet. Food. Lou, you know, yeah. Uh, can you get in? Can you get out? All that kind of stuff. But off the back of that, uh, what NRL players or NRL figures need to go on their own darkness retreat? And so I've come up with a list of people. Uh, first and foremost, Selwyn Cobbo and Kevy Walters. Uh, we all remember Selwyn's Cobbo, Selwyn Cobbo's comments just a few weeks ago. Uh, he's a really good bloke, but he's not a really good coach. Yeah. Maybe they need to go on a darkness and isolation retreat together. Wouldn't yeah. be very much isolation, but maybe they just need to hash it out. Yeah. Just sit in the darkness for four days and just talk about their feelings. And yeah. Kevy just, Selwyn, why don't you like me? Or why am I not a good coach? Where can I improve? <laughs> um, second one, Ricky Stewart and Jamin Salmon. Is that going to happen? Who knows? Maybe, maybe not. Third one, Wayne Bennett and Terry Reader. So mm. Terry Reader, the Dolphins CEO. They've missed out on a lot of big names. Maybe there's something wrong with their marketing campaign. Maybe there's something wrong with how they're trying to sell the vision of the Dolphins to prospective players. So I think they, I don't know how Wayne will go on a darkness retreat, um, an isolation retreat for four days, but I think they need to sit in a cave or a house or whatever for four days and kind of just rethink how do they sell the dolphins to players? Mm. Um, because they're not, they haven't got their big fish yet. They got Jesse Bromwich, Felice Cafusi, Hamaso, Tabuai Fido, but not really the guys. Um, so how do they rethink that? How do they rejig? If you if you're sitting in, if you're sitting in a isolation room with Wayne. Bennett. That's just normal life, isn't it? Wouldn't, wouldn't you? I, really I'd to try you. and play the game to see who would speak first. That's what I'd be doing. As in how mm. long I could, because I reckon Wayne would have you, have you covered in that one. Oh, 100%. I reckon he could keep the old silent treatment going for a while. So I'd be testing myself to say, 
I'm not going to speak first. I'm going to wait for Wayne. Speaking about the food as well, knowing the stories that I've heard about Wayne, he'll probably make sure that they bring in a lot of lollies. Apparently he's a lolly fiend. Loves them. Uh, next person, Craig Bellamy. What it's been like the last three or four years, Matty. Will he or won't he stay on for one more year with the storm? He's got wants to spend more time with his grandkids. Does he want to move back to Queensland? Um, what's the go? So I think Craig Bellamy, isolation retreat, and maybe as well it might help with the with the anger. The anger issues. Yeah. yeah. So belly ache. Is he gonna keep coaching? Can he kind of restrict that anger that he shows so much in the in the coach's box? <laughs> do, do you know what? Then let's take it further because I reckon that we don't want to lose. Craig Bellamy's emotion and passion no. and carry on. So the isolation room, but it's a glass one. Yes. So he can go nuts in there. Uh, but we just can't film it. No, no, we can see it. Oh, okay. He just doesn't damage, you know, he doesn't, the, the rest of the the rest of the coaching staff that has to oh, listen yep. to it, Their he can go get nuts. Burst. So we build a glass studio, mm-hmm. essentially in the coaching box, boxes for Bellyache, and he can go crazy. In I'm sure all the stadiums would love uh, manufacturing those. And my last one, well, this is off the back of Aaron Rodgers not knowing to do with his future. So Mitchell Moses, we've spoken about him for the whole show. Isolation, darkness retreat. Do I stay with the Eels? Do I go back to the West Tigers? Do I even go to the Bulldogs? Do I even go to the Dolphins? Mm. Maybe and leave Sydney, get out of my com- comfort zone. Do I stay for the money? Or do I, do I leave for the money and stay for the premiership glory? Mitchell Moses, what do you do? Mm. Get down to a darkness, darkness retreat, retreat right now. Yeah. Can't be too hard. We've got to invest in a couple. I mean, think of the energy savings. I know. Right? <laughs> so that's it. Now, before I let you go, a, a couple of already a couple of ideas for the Tribune sponsor, which I think are very good. Morning, Maddie and Tommy. A sponsor for the Tribune would have to come uh, from the golfing sector, um, at, which would have to be for Tommy's tee off. Oh, I love the that. Adelaide Rooster. That's another segment we can do. Tommy's tee off. Just add that another one to the books. You got enough segments. He's up, Tiger. Sponsor for the Tribune, the Oxford Dictionary, because there are some Tribune entries that I need a dictionary to translate what the listeners are trying to convey. Says Steve That's a good one. from the Palm Trees or a Thesaurus, even. And the Pearl, I reckon he's hit on it. So we just had Jamie Rogers on mm-hmm. from Tab who gave us great insights into what they're doing for Super Bowl 57. The Pearl says, Tommy's Tab Tribune, headline responsibly. (laughs) Jimmy Smith is coming up uh, with the afternoon's program. We were just Mm. having a discussion, Jimmy, about Mm. the Brooklyn Nets home court here. Yes. Um, They're playing Phoenix. So it's, what's the score? 21-18. The visitors leading at the moment, the Suns. But the court's this sort of greyish colour. It's all very trendy. Looks a bit weird. It's different. There's no doubt about that. It's what we're thinking, a street vibe and all mm. that all that sort of stuff, which brought me to the doco that I started watching last night, And One. Yeah, awesome. Uh, the story, the untold story of And One, which I had no idea about. So um, that was really interesting. Then we were talking about investment decisions. And yes. Then somehow One Tell got a mention and then yes. Big Team Utah. And so Jeez. we've just changed our talk topic today. <laughs> Great investment decisions. <laughs> That you made. You know, we do we do a lot of, uh, well, well, I reckon you probably have more traction on bad investment decisions oh, that you've made. We, we do a lot of nicknames, don't we? And just as soon as you said Dean Utoff, is there a more apt nickname? Remember his? The Man Mountain. Was that what he was? Yeah. Okay, The Man Mountain. He yeah. was an interesting choice. Like, at the time, you know, the Kings were okay, but that, that's not the biggest sport on the planet. But one tell, here's this, this big telco mm. that's starting up. We're going to, oh, no, we'll get Dean Utoff. It's like. Okay. 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 Yeah. Okay. Um, Brad Fittler and Andrew Johns unavailable. I don't know. (laughs) 
<laughs> Maybe it's it was the na- so that's the thing too. You talk about it. Who's that sporting figure from winter that's a national figure? That's why the cricketers and Paddy Cummins. That's, that's right. why that's they've got a massive benefit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, if you had a national product, if you had a yeah, one till going again, national product. Where do you go? Yeah, it's it's. If a, you're looking down the sports ambassador role, yeah, for instance, yeah, it's it's a national figure. That's Pat Cummins. So you mm. go to the um, who's the uh, Dusty. So Dusty's yeah. doing a lot of stuff now, but you look. I look at him in Sydney and go, "There's so many people walk past that shop, got no idea who that bloke in his mm. undies is. Yeah. They just think he's a. What they go? Oh, what they picked that bloke? He's not yeah. that good looking. That's a, <laughs> heaps of tats. Heaps of tats. <laughs> Lovely arms though. Just you know, just just wanting to put it out. There. Hodjo kind of arms. <laughs> oh yeah, no, not not quite Hodjo arms. <laughs> not quite Hodjo arms. Yeah, some arms. It's been that kind of day, you know. I think, and I'm going to blame Webby. It's been that kind of day where just we, we just keep going off. We're sort of cruising down the old sporting <laughs> highway, <laughs> and then off we go down the old avenue down here, and then we end up in a cul-de-sac, and then we're at a roundabout. We just keep going, spearing off. That's the natural way of conversation, though, right, isn't it? Mm. When you say talking to your mates, you start a story, or they start a story, yep. and they say something. It's like when you're driving around in the, in the car and you're listening to the radio, and someone says something, and you're like, please ask the question about... Uh, who was it that said something the other day about, oh, well, he's not, not in my top two or whatever. And they're like, well, who is ask it? him who's in the top two. <laughs> I want to know. That was probably me. No, no. Uh, okay. Anyway. That old, anyway. Follow up, that old follow-up question. Uh, what's coming up on your show? Got no idea, no. really. No, no, we do, actually. Michael Kasparich has joined the SEN team. Kaspar. So going to have a chat with him. Uh, I think he's just about to jump on a plane, literally, to India. Oh, okay. Now. So uh, Jared Connor will give us a tip for the Super Bowl as well. We'll go through that in great detail. Adrian Prezenko will expand on his Nelson Asifa Solomona story. Mm. Uh, wait, just waiting by the phone for the call from Eddie Jones. <laughs> Hard to pick up the phone with the dog bite. Uh, that's going to be that's going to be difficult. Th- th- there you go. Mm. That's exactly Sorry, right. Sorry, Eddie, couldn't <laughs> take the call. Bloody <laughs> dog, dog bit me. What is your talk topic today? Answer it with your nose. Uh, when you witness history, we might witness history today. Ooh. So at 2 p.m. New South Wales time, 1 p.m. Queensland time, the LA Lakers will take on the Oklahoma City Thunder. Ooh. And LeBron could get his numbers. When you, yes, uh, past when Kareem Abdul Jabbar. When you witness history. Nice work. I'll have a think.